Like a good neighbor? What came into your mind? You're probably, yep, there you go. You're, you're going to see him probably later on today when you watch the big game. You'll probably see Jake from State Farm, right? I mean, he's the good neighbor, right? Jake, he's the kind of neighbor that you want. Maybe you finish the jingle off like a good State Farm is there, right? But Jake, you know, he's a good neighbor because when there's trouble, he's there to help. When you're at risk, he's there to warn when you need him, he is available night or day. It doesn't matter. He's just a phone call away, dressed in his khakis and his red polo. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are a superstar football, professional football player, or you're a heartbroken country singer, or you're just your average sneakerhead working at the shoe store for the discount. Jake from State Farm, he will be there for you. He is the definition, he describes what a good neighbor is. What about you? Would that describe you? Are you a good neighbor? Because Jesus, he desires that for you in your life, that you live following after him. Jesus desires to make you into even more than a good neighbor. Jesus desires to make you a loving neighbor. And this morning, Jesus does that as he teaches us what a loving neighbor is. He also does that as he shows us what a loving neighbor does. And the way that he teaches us this morning is through story. And even though Jesus uses this story and it's his own story, he, he's the narrator here, he is sharing that story in answer to a question. And that question was, what must I do? It was a question that was asked to test Jesus. But this question that was asked to test Jesus, it very quickly puts every single one of us and our hearts and our souls to the test. What must I do? Because we're all familiar with that question. We, we've asked that question before. And whether it is the student who's asking, what, what must I do in order to get an acceptable grade or, or even a good grade? If it's the employee saying, what must I do to, to get the next promotion? The spouse who's, who's desperately seeking an answer to ease the tension in their marriage, what must I do? Or a believer who wants to know that they are right with their God. What must I do? And as much as we ask that question, really the answer to that question, it's pretty simple. It's well known. It's obvious. It's even easy. What must I do? Do the right thing. Clear, simple, straightforward, easy. Easy. 
at least to say. And even if we needed some help to figure it out, well, God has given us pages and pages of his law, instructions for exactly what we must do, and that's where Jesus turned. And we asked this expert, right, this lawyer, this teacher of the law, he asked him, what, what does God say in those pages and pages? And he answered, he knew it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It was a good answer. Jesus even said so. Easy. Easy to say. Not so easy to do. Which is why this man then needed to justify himself. I mean, he understood love for God with all your being. And he understood love for your neighbor, but he had to ask that question, well, who is my neighbor? I want to ask you, how do you try to justify yourself? Or when do you try to justify yourself? Is it when love is inconvenient? When your budget is a little tight at the moment? When you feel like those people, they really don't deserve your love because of the things that they have done to you? And I want you to understand that when we try to justify ourselves, when you feel guilt over the ways that you haven't loved, haven't served, haven't been selfless in your life, that when you try to justify yourself, when you feel that guilt, that's not coming from a place of love. That's coming from a place of work. That's coming from trying to earn something, trying to measure up, trying to fulfill some sort of obligation, trying to, trying to keep the, the rules but it's not coming from a place of love. And so Jesus tells this story, a story about a good neighbor, a story about a loving neighbor. And he begins, he says, there's a, there's a man. He's traveling, Walking down the road, you know, he's, he's minding his own business. He's just intent on arriving at his destination. That's all that's on his mind until the figures step out of the shadows. Those figures who are carrying the clubs and the bats and, and they want to take as much as they possibly can from this man. And in their zeal to, to take as much as they possibly can from him, they leave him beaten, broken, bloodied, torn. In their zeal to take as much as they can from him, they nearly take his very life. 
And he lays there on the side of the road near the ditch, helpless, struggling to breathe, bleeding, naked. And so then a priest walks by. Man of the cloth, man of the church. But he wouldn't sacrifice to help that man. He wouldn't sacrifice because, well, there were rules. Right? He couldn't risk touching a, a, a dead body. Maybe the guy wasn't alive anymore because then, well, then he would be unclean. And if he was unclean, well, he wouldn't be able to then fulfill his real job to serve in the temple to serve God's people. So he wasn't willing to sacrifice. And next, a Levite probably looked up to those priests, maybe even saw that priest up ahead of him on the road. And so when he came upon him, he too wouldn't sacrifice. He was compelled to, to measure up to the desires of human authority, and so he couldn't be compelled by the needs of humanity itself. And so then Jesus says that a Samaritan came. And the tension rises in the story, the tension rises in the crowd because Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other couldn't stand each other. There was this deep ethnic divide. Much like the Middle East today, those ethnic divides that exist. And so you're thinking like Gaza Strip, Palestinian-Israeli relationships. That, that's what we're talking about here. And yet the Samaritan is the one who stops. Who goes over and, and helps this man. And with all of that prejudice and, and with all of that hatred that's there that's part of their culture part of who they are as people then the only possible explanation for why he would stop is love that overwhelming deep compassionate kind of love that would not allow him to walk by on the other side of the road And it is, it has got to be love, because he sacrificed. I mean, he used all of his resources. He used his bandages, his oil, his wine to clean out the wounds. He put that man on his donkey, and he walked the rest of the way. And then when he got to the inn, it was his money that he used to pay for the man. And then he committed himself to following through even more. Only love could bring about that. And you don't, you don't do that. If you're just trying to follow the rules, if you're just trying to, to measure up, you're trying to earn something from somebody else, you, you wouldn't do that. Because that goes beyond all of those other things. You wouldn't do that if you're asking the question, what must I do? Or how much love is enough? Because that seems like too much. Now that came from a place and a heart of true love. 
So how do we get there? To that kind of heart. There's something that's really key, really important you have to understand in order to get there. And that is that you aren't trying to earn anything from anyone. You're not trying to earn anything from God. You're not trying to earn anything from the people around you. You don't need to earn anything from anyone because God has already justified you. You see, this man who first told this story, he knew it very well. He had seen so many beaten, discarded, cut, lashed, laying on the side of the road, cold and naked and alone, and just dying. Just dying. He had seen those who had been beaten by the allures of this world. He had seen those who were battered and destroyed by their own addictive, self-destructive habits. He saw you struggling, bleeding out in your sin and your guilt and your shame. And he drew near. He drew near to love you. He was filled with that overwhelming, compassionate love for you, and it drove him to sacrifice. It cost him dearly. There was a price to be paid, and the price was his own cross. But he willingly went there, compelled by his love for you. And so he lifted you up and he rescued you and he washed you clean. He bandaged every wound and it was a risk for him. It was beyond a risk, but risk that didn't stop him. Because his love overwhelmed the risk. His love overwhelmed the cost. So that you would be healed and you would be justified. And not just in your own mind. Justified by the total declaration of God himself. Forgiven. Redeemed. Dearly bought. God's own. That's what defines you. And so justified, you are freed to love justified, you are freed to serve. Because you're not trying to earn anything from anyone. Think about the the student who wants to know what must I do for a good grade, but if they change their mindset, it becomes about the process, it becomes about studying, it becomes about learning to learn. And the grades are just a byproduct. Think about that employee who's, who's not just trying to earn the next promotion, but he is passionate and he is committed to his work and he dives all in 100%. And the promotions come. 
and there's greater fulfillment in them. You think about the spouse. Spouse isn't asking, what must I do? Like some sort of checklist for love. But it's just a lifestyle of sacrifice and kindness and generosity and daily love. And that marriage flourishes. And so you think about the believer who knows I am justified. I am washed. I am forgiven. And I can live to serve because it's love that's motivating me. Like the woman. The woman who found a way to help those in need around her. This woman who who saw those opportunities and, and maybe she didn't have much herself, but she was willing to give what she had. She would sew garments, give bread. She would support them. Those who didn't have support in their own home, she would be there for them. A wonderful example of this life of service. A wonderful example of just what it means to be not just a good neighbor, but a loving neighbor.